The Vitamin SC3 podcast is back with a new episode. This week, we hear from Anakin Yuan, the co-founder and CFO of Sickle Cell Medical Advocacy, Inc., a nonprofit organization. The Vitamin SC3 podcast is a health-inspired show sharing a variety of sickle cell stories made up of four different components. Remember, each segment will give you more insight into the real lives of sickle cell warriors and their families. You will learn why we are bonded by blood with shared life experiences. So remember, the information shared on the Vitamin SC3 podcast is for informational or educational purposes only and does not substitute professional medical advice or consultations with your healthcare provider. To become a member of the Sickle Cell Community Consortium, visit SickleCellConsortium.org. The Sickle Cell Consortium is a collaborative designed a little bit like the United Nations in theory, so that we can bring together many organizations for sickle cell throughout the country and now throughout the world, as well as um, independent patient caregiver leaders, opinion leaders, advocates, those that are active in this space. And our goal is, what we've always done, is bring our community together so that we can create projects, priorities, initiatives. We can figure out what are the problems, needs, and gaps in the sickle cell community, and then figure out how we're going to collectively address this. All right, welcome, welcome. I am super excited that you have agreed to join us for the Vitamin SC3 podcast. This podcast is all about caregivers. So this is the Caring is Giving segment, and I am sitting here with none other than Anakin Yuan. Anakin Thank you so much for joining us. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are? Um, well, I am uh, I, I was, uh, uh, born in Washington, D.C. Uh, I am Nigerian-American. Uh, my parents are Nigerian. And um, I, I uh, schooled in Nigeria. I, I left DC when I was a kid, maybe seven years old, and uh, that's a, a different story, <laughs> you know. And um, I returned and uh, you know lived in California, and then we moved to Florida. My wife and I moved to Florida, you know. Um, I mean, years after we got married, uh, out in California, and uh, we've been here and uh, just trying to make the best of life uh, together in this space, especially. Yeah. Awesome. I didn't know you're from my area. I am in Maryland right now. And so Washington, D.C. is like 30 minutes away. So that is my neck of the woods. That is where I live. So it is great to know that I am in good company. And (laughs) you you mentioned that you have a wife. And I think, you know, now it's a great time for us to hear how you met your wife. Um, uh, it's, uh, to many people, it's a fascinating story. Um, uh, but simply put, uh, we met on a blind date and, um, uh, through a mutual friend, um, 
yeah, my, a friend gave me a call one day at work and asked me what I was doing on a particular weekend. And I kept on asking, uh, basically just trying to set me up on a date. And I'm like, okay, uh, okay, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll go on a date. Um, and what's her name? I said, I'm not telling you her name. I'm like, oh, okay, so there's a blind date. And, uh, and I said, I'll only go on a date if you double with us so as to take the edge off in any kind of awkwardness. You know, at least I know uh, who to, you know, I guess lean on sort if the date goes south, you know, but... You know, she was not needed. Uh, so, uh, because the date went well and uh, we struck a friendship, you know, from right there uh, that, 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 that day. And uh, as the saying goes, the rest uh, was history. So, yeah. Wow. Wow. Blind date. I had no idea that you you met your wife through a blind date. To me, that's like something you see on TV. I know there are so many people that meet people online and in different places. So to them, that's probably like, oh, people meet people on blind dates all the time. But I met my husband in college, which is a very traditional way. We went to the same school. There's no special stories. It was he was in the calf, I was in the calf. We went to a school where it wasn't a whole lot of people that looked like us, so it was very easy to spot one another. Um, so it's not really one of those tales that um, is um, magical, but your story sounds magical. And so I want to kind of unpack that just a little bit because your wife is a big part of why we are having this conversation. Yes. Not too long ago, I heard you say that you were a caregiver. And I don't always hear men mention themselves as being a caregiver. And I, I want to just say that it, it kind of struck me because last year I uh, partnered with the Sickle Cell Community Consortium to do the Caregiver Summit. And when I told my husband about it, I said, I want to have a Caregiver Summit. And he said, well, who's going to be the caregivers? And I was like, we're caregivers. What do you, what do you mean? And he was like, we, we don't call ourselves caregivers. Like he, he did not identify with that language. And when we were sharing about the Caregiver Summit, I found that there were many people in our community that did not call themselves caregivers when in fact, that's what they were doing. Because yeah. in my case, I am a parent to a child with sickle cell. And in other people's case, they may love someone with sickle cell. In your case, you are a spouse to someone with sickle cell. So can you kind of share a little bit about you know, how you identify as a caregiver? Um, the term uh, caregiver to me is new. Um, I mean, first and foremost, I'm a husband, you know, and um, a, a husband to, uh, to my wife who has sickle cell. And um, I just took care of her. I, I, or... I take care of her in you know, the present tense. But I, I never thought of the term caregiver. Um, maybe if I, um, if, if it crossed my mind um, earlier, I would often think of people, people in the nursing profession, 
you know, uh, those um, who take care of the elderly in nursing homes, you know, that's the image I have when I think of the term uh, caregiver. Uh, so it was new when uh, when I, I got into the space of uh, sickle cell advocacy, you know, which was just a few years ago. Um, yeah, so I I've come to embrace it. I'm like, yes, I do take care of my wife. Um, like uh, when she started um, being more uh, prominent. You know, uh, in the community, and she had to travel. You know, she was invited to a number of uh, conferences, and I would make sure that it was in line with my schedule. And I'll take time off from work and make sure that uh, I help her because she can't travel by herself because of her limitations. So, oh, definitely, I embrace the term now uh, of being a caregiver. Yes. Wow. So when you say that you embrace the term, I think that's beautiful. Some people may be listening and they may recall that you mentioned that you were Nigerian American. And we know from the statistics that are out there from the CDC that Nigeria actually has the largest population of people who live with sickle cell disease. So did you know about sickle cell disease prior to meeting your wife? Simply, no. Um, to expand on that, there was a term as a kid uh, when I was there, I heard the term sickler you know, a lot. You know, oh, this person's a sickler, that person's a sickler. I had um, uh, a couple of classmates uh, both in grade school and and hi- high school, uh, who were sicklers. Um, outside of that, I never heard the term sickle cell anemia or sickle cell disease. Um, and I'm, at that age, and I'm talking about you know ten years old here, uh, when you hear about it, you, you just think of. You know, a, a very um, incorrect, um, ignorant interpretation of someone who gets sick a lot. You know, that's what you know will be passed passed on. You know, to to me. You know, uh, oh, he's a sickler, uh, so he, he gets sick a lot. But they won't they won't educate me or those of us. You know, at least in that age group. That no, this is a disease, you know, that is genetic and all that. Uh, no, so I never knew about sickle cell anemia, but I heard the term sickler. So that's all I can tell you <laughs> uh, regarding that question. I think that's an excellent way to share with us, you know, what your perspective was as a child because. You know, people can assume because the lump, the numbers are large that people who are African-American or of African descent have a knowledge about this genetic disorder. 
because it is the most common genetic disorder in the world. But the truth is, until we actually explain it within the community and have real conversations about it, it's not something that is black and white for us. We do not really know what it means. And I think of myself as an advocate and as a mom, it wasn't until I began to seek out the research and seek out knowledge about sickle cell that I really found out what it was. Growing up in, you know, as a Black woman here in America, I did not know what sickle cell was. And, you know, when we think about terms in the community, I had never even heard, what's your genotype? You know, that's a a saying and a phrase that now that I'm a part of the sickle cell community, it's a common phrase that we hear. But outside of our community, we don't always get that understanding of common phrases like that and what sickle cell is. So I think it's very important that we have this conversation because just because we are, you know, in that demographic of people who could have sickle cell or who could have family members with sickle cell, it doesn't mean that we know what it is. And mm-hmm. so I think it was important that you shared that with us. Yes. So I'm wondering, I'm wondering for you, when you learned what sickle cell was, what did you, what did you learn that it was? How do you now define it for yourself? Um, Simple. It's uh, a genetic genetic blood disorder. You know that's 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 the simplest way I would tell anybody. Well, that's how my wife, you know, you know, shared it with me. You know, not not get going into the finer details of it, um, but that's what I will tell people because people think that oh, you just catch it here is infectious or whatever. I'm like, no, it's not, you know, you're born with it. You know, you know, there's a, there's a, a, a defect in, uh, and, and the, uh, the, uh, the cells, and the, uh, the blood. So, um, that, that's what I, that's, what, that's how I'll start with that, a, a genetic, uh, blood disorder. Yeah. But again, again, I only learned this after I met my wife, after I met my wife, you know, again, like I said, as a, as a kid, I only knew the term sickler, you know, I I didn't, I never heard the full name sickle cell disease or sickle cell anemia. Uh, So sometimes it could be somewhat, hmm, uh, maybe embarrassing as a black person thing. It's like, Oh, you never knew this. Or especially coming from Nigeria, you know, was like, what you don't you didn't know about this so yeah i definitely don't think it's embarrassing i think to me it goes to show there are some things that we don't feel comfortable talking about as a a community and so i think other families and other people that i have met sometimes the term comes with pain for them Mm -hmm. 
because if they had someone that they knew that's no longer with us or someone who had a rough time with it, you know, for a variety of reasons, it's not always a conversation that people are willing to have in our community. And so what I love about advocacy now and seeing so many caregivers come forward is we break down that stigma by talking about it, by having conversations, because it's not something that we need to be ashamed of or to be scared of. It's something that we have to be educated about. And I know that you and your wife are doing a tremendous job in our community to educate others about sickle cell and about advocacy. And that's something that I think is very honorable So you've taken your situations and you've partnered with your wife to um, to give back to the community. Can you tell us what your organization is and how you're paying that experience and advocacy forward? Well, the organization uh, is uh, a relatively uh, young one. Um, It's called Sickle Cell Medical Advocacy, you know, uh, abbreviation SEMA, and uh, it's a nonprofit. Uh, we just got our uh, 501c3 status, you know, beginning of the year. So we're very um, uh, pleased with that. Um, and this, uh, anybody who knows my wife, I mean, my wife has sickle cell, you know, disease. Um, I don't. This is squarely um, her baby. You know, her, her vision, her, her, the whole uh, concept, you know, is uh, is hers. And uh, I mean, also she's a physician. Um, for for those who may not know, so she she felt like, you know, she can make a difference in, in this arena. As uh, and she she's an author, um, being a patient as well as uh, a doctor, a medical doctor. So she felt like uh, she could uh, take advocacy to um, uh, a more effective um, level, should I say, uh, using her uh, background as a a physician. And so, you know, the SMA was created and... uh, uh, I became a, a co-founder. Uh, put our heads together. I, I have um, you know some uh, business uh, knowledge to help the business end of of the organization, and she just takes care of medicine, sickle cell, and <laughs> training, all that. So I am I am behind her, rooting for her. Sometimes I tell her I have my pom poms ready, you know. So. Go for it, you know. But now she's now now she you know she drags me to in front of the camera. I'm like, oh gosh, really, you know. So again, here I am in front of the camera, and uh, you know, she said uh, when I told her that this was uh, requested of me, I'm like, do it. I was like, oh, oh dear, <laughs> okay, yeah. Anyway, um, that's I that's love it. I love that you are supportive. I love that. So I, I have a question. So we are talking about marriage. We're talking about a chronic illness. Mm-hmm. And 
relationships are hard. I've been married for 16 years. <laughs> and to me, that feels like a long time. Mm-hmm. And I know that every marriage has its challenges. But when you put a chronic illness with that, it can be even more challenging or more difficult, so to speak. But one thing that I always tell people about marriage is marry the person who believes in you, who sees the good in you and is willing to support you. I don't tell people marry the person with the best finances, marry the person, you know, that you have the most chemistry with. Really, it's that person that you really feel like I I I see the best in them and I want to support them. To me, that is what makes a good marriage. And when I took your um I took one of the classes, um, I was uh, just graduated from the CMA and I love that you were so supportive. And so one of the, you know, questions I have for you is how can married couples strengthen their relationship when one person is living with a chronic illness? Um, I'll put it this way. You know, I'm a man of faith. Um, not that I'm a, I'm, I'm a pastor or anything like that, but I'm just a believer, a practicing believer yeah, of Christ, and um, as well as my wife. And uh, w- what I've learned and continue to be reminded of is to crucify selfishness daily. Um, it has to be daily because it's going to come up again, you know, some degree, you know, some form of selfishness is going to come up again, you know, in, in the relationship, in this case, in the marriage. And so, and, and so, so really I speak, you know, I'm thinking for myself, you know, as a caregiver, you know, have to fight to crucify selfishness. And that's what I would, that's the advice I would give uh, married couples uh, who have a chronic illness, you know, uh, in the marriage. Um, and, and, and like you even said, tr- believing in each other, you know, believing in each other. Uh, so that, that's, that's a very, a very good point. Um, so I think that that combination um, of those two and, and other uh, other elements it, it'll go a long way in sustaining sustaining a marriage and making it blossom um, in ways that people um, looking with a naked eye would never believe. Uh, so. Um, but yeah, I, I believe selfishness because that's something that um, I had to face very early in the marriage, you know, because, I mean, we only lived together once we got married, you know. I was like, oh, you, it's one thing knowing about it, you know, oh yeah, she has sickle cell, she has sickle cell. 
it's a it's a different ball game when you live, you move in, you know, you're married, you, you, you see your uh, I do's. It's another thing. It's like, oh, well, this is what it's like 24-7, you know, and see how how disruptive it can be. And uh, in terms of, you know, to your, your lifestyle, your schedule, you know. So um, it takes it takes a, a great amount of selflessness, you know, to succeed in a marriage with a chronic illness. It takes, uh, again, using your point, trust, a great degree of trust in one another, you know, to make it succeed. Yes. It made me think of when the Bible says a help me, that term a help me, you are a help me to your wife, but your wife is also a help me to you. And so I think the way you described it was perfect because to be in a successful marriage, whether it's a chronic illness in the mix or not, whoever you are, you have to to learn how to help one another and be selfless. And I think the way that you put it just described everything perfectly because love is really about giving of yourself. It's not just about the receiving part. But here's the thing, the beautiful thing about marriage is if you are married to someone and you're giving of yourself and they are giving of themselves, then everything fits perfectly together. But if one person, if one person is doing all the giving and the other person is just doing all the receiving, then you don't have a match. But both people have to give. And so I think that's what the beautiful thing is. So you talked about caregiving for your wife. Would you mind sharing how she cares for you? Because I think it's it's a two-way street. And I think um, sometimes we're in a relationship with people who challenge us to be our best selves. And for people who are thinking about, you know, the person that they want to spend the rest of their life with, I think it's important to think about who challenges you to reach your full potential in who you are. Oh, boy. Um, Well, like I mentioned, she's a physician, you know? So I think, I think, doesn't need uh, much explanation to that. Um, so with the love she has for me, you know, she's able to take care of me when, when needed, um, especially when it comes to medical matters, health matters, you know, even things, even things like, oh, you know, time for health insurance, you know, what plan? And she knows how to comb through the, the various plans, you know, what, what we need as a household, what I need, you know, as her husband. Um, yeah, I mean, life, life-saving moments, literally. So, yeah, 100% is a two-way street, you know, uh, caregiving. Uh, it's very easy 
in this space, it's very easy for uh, the uh, the patient, the sickle cell patient, uh, to be viewed as the one always receiving, always receiving, and probably never giving, you know, because he or she is almost always sick. But that is not true. That is not true. When he or she, you know, is well, when they do have a relief, you know, they're able to contribute to the household, to, to, to the relationship, you know, in various ways. So the same thing applies uh, to my wife and I. Uh, she's, you know, she's dynamic. She's dynamic. And, I mean, you've, you've, you've got to, you know, see her, meet her. And, uh, and sometimes, <laughs> sometimes uh, people could forget that she is a patient, a sickle cell patient. People could forget that. Uh, yes, even one of, my, one of my best friends, you know, once said, it just seems as if uh, you just, well, speaking to her, it seems as if you just um, put the shine on. You know, it's kind of hard to believe that, you know, you're a patient because, you know, she tries to make the best of life, put her best foot forward. So, um, yeah, yes. that's what I would say. Yes, I love that you just shared that because when I think about the sickle cell community and I think about all of the different sickle cell warriors that I've met, what overarching theme that comes to mind is that of resiliency, that of fighters, that of people with tenacity, people with grit. And if you ever want to see someone who's living life, it's someone who has embraced who they are within their their skin, within their body. And there are so many sickle cell warriors who embody that. I have learned how to live from watching other sickle cell patients, you know, because sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm so tired, but they'll still be going. And I'm like, I know they are in pain. How are they still going? And so I'm like, put on, put, you know, put on your grit, put on your, your hard hat and keep going. That's what I tell myself because if they can keep going, despite whatever is going on inside of them, then I, I can pull it together, you know, for an hour or a few minutes. <laughs> Because they're pulling it together for a lifetime. And so I'm just, your wife embodies that 100% fully and beautifully. And I think it shows in how you support her. You bring, you know, your expertise into the mix and... It's, it's a beautiful thing to watch a husband and wife work together in the advocacy space. And so one of the things I'm wondering is what is unconditional support to you? What does that look like to you? Well, We moved, we moved to Florida from California. Uh, we lived in uh, the San Francisco Bay Area. 
that's where we met. That's where we got married. And uh, I tell people uh, or even remind people that the only reason why we are in Florida is because of sickle cell. It's health. Um, we, we don't... We don't have any. Oh, okay. No, we didn't have any uh, relationship in Florida. You know, people will move kind of like, oh, I have family here, I have some friends here. You know, which will make the transition a bit easier. And the people will kind of talk themselves into it, kind of like, oh yeah, we have somebody or some people there, or maybe a whole clan. Hey, maybe going back to our roots. Uh, so such transitions, you know, tend to be relatively easy. But when you are moving without a single soul, you know, to a new place, it's, almost, it's like you're starting afresh. And uh, and my wife knows, and my wife knew before we even decided to move, uh, to leave California, that I was kicking and screaming. <laughs> and it was like, no, but it was for her to have a better quality of life, you know, for her. not just a quality of life, but have a better chance at life, you know, uh, because she was, you know, getting sick a lot and, you know, multiple hospital admissions, you know, and um, so we decided to move, you know. I mean, Florida is much warmer than California. Some people do not know that. They think of sunny California, but I'm like, it's a different kind of, uh, you know, um, climate. Yeah, so, again, that, that, is, that is, you know, what unconditional support looks like. You, you drop everything and make that decision. And so, for me... I had to make that decision uh, in order to support her. And I started, you know, from scratch, kind of like, okay, let's, let's do life here, you know, in this new place called Florida. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's not like, you know, uh, the, um, the, the, the most uh, fascinating place to be, you know, to be honest, but, you know, hey, it, it, you know, m- maybe being close to Disney, you know, psychologically makes things a bit <laughs> a bit easier. But I, I don't do heat and humidity. I don't. I don't. My wife knows that. But that's the only reason why we made that transition. You know, seeking heat and humidity for her to have a better a better a better life. And so. Um, we, we we have our tug of war, heat and cold, you know. But again, that is yeah unconditional uh, support. That's what it looks like to me, and that's what I am doing right now by the power of God. Incredible! If you are listening, we are talking to. Anakin, a caregiver and a husband to a sickle cell warrior. And we're having a riveting conversation. So continue to share this podcast so other people can listen in as well. So 
I have a question for you. You just mentioned that you moved to Florida. And for those of you who are listening in and you're trying to kind of piece the puzzles back together because you don't understand why heat and humidity will make such a huge difference in a person with sickle cell's life. One of the things about sickle cell disease is that extreme temperatures can really have adverse effects on a sickle cell patient. For my daughter with sickle cell SS, cold weather is very challenging to her body. She loves the snow, but I have to be very careful when she wants to go out and play in the snow because extreme cold temperatures or extremely hot temperatures can trigger a sickle cell pain crisis or other complications. And so that is why Anakin is talking to us about the importance of actually relocating. And that takes a huge step and you know, if you're not in the sickle cell community, you're like, what? You you know, you moved. That's a big decision. But that big decision can make a huge difference. And so that's why you're sharing with us that you were willing to make that move because you understood about, you know, avoiding those extremes. Correct. Yes, definitely. Um, humidity. Um more moisture, you know, and not getting dehydrated, you know, as quickly, you know. Um, and of course, yeah, the heat. I mean, California, <laughs> California is uh, maybe deceptively uh, cold. Um, people do not know that. Uh, so it's, it's almost like flipped um, all around. She had four, she could count, four is being generous, four months, uh, four good months in California. And then the other eight months were not good. Um, And again, like I said, four is being generous. Now we're in Florida, it is flipped. You know, Uh, she will have, you know, maybe just four uh, bad months in Florida or, or less. You know, depending on uh, management, you know, of 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 our health, it it's night and day. It's night and day. Uh, so she is living a more qualitative life. You know, here. You know, I I, I won't say that it's textbook that it applies to every single person. No, but for my wife, you know. You know, the move was golden. The move is golden for her. Um, Yes. Awesome. You know, it's funny that you you mentioned that for your wife, it was a beautiful decision to move because I got to tell folks, if you are listening, we want you to know that sickle cell is different for everybody who has it. That's one of the reasons why we have to have this conversation because sickle cell is complicated. (laughs) That, That is our word for the day. Sickle cell is complex. And You know, we would love to tell you that, hey, this because this works for one sickle cell patient, it's going to work for all. But just like there are different shades of brown, sickle cell is different for 
every single person who has it. And so you have to learn a big part about being a caregiver or a big part about being a patient is learning your body, how your body speaks to you and what you're supposed to do next, how to listen and give your body what it needs so that you can be at your best. It's a learning experience. And for me as a caregiver, I'm trying to teach my daughter how to learn and how to learn how to listen to her body. Because I feel like our bodies will often tell us what it needs. And one of those big things that it tells my daughter who has sickle cell is rest. You know, when, you, when your body tells you, you need to rest, take it easy, you know, don't get too stressed. Those are some of the things that um, my daughter's body tells, tells her. And so um, as a caregiver, I sometimes have to model the behavior I want her to have. And so I think, you know, you mentioned the word and for me as a caregiver, I have to drink extra water, not because I want to drink the water. I definitely need it, but <laughs> but I try to model that good behavior. And so you just talked about dehydration. So as a caregiver, have you kind of um, took on some habits, you know, to model good behavior? So do you drink extra water and, you know, just try to kind of... Um, be a partner in good health and um, having healthy habits, because I think that makes a difference. Generally, I would say no. Um, I, 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 no. Hey, look, you want me to be honest? I, 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 I put it, I, the reason why I say that uh, is this. She is a physician, you know, and I'm not saying that every all physicians know what to do, you know, in terms of healthcare, how to take, you know, making the right uh, health decisions. Uh, but for her, for my wife, uh, she she's able to, uh, you know, I mean, of course. Uh, you learn from your mistakes, you know, excuse me. She, she, she hydrates. She, she, she says, what is the best beverage? And I look at her, I'm like, <laughs> you're out of your mind, but more power to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so hydration is not a struggle whatsoever. If anything... Um, she drinks so much that I ha- I'm the I, I, I dub myself the water carrier. I'll just refill refill her her bottles. So uh, I feel like I don't have to uh, do what you um, uh, shared, like to model, you know, just to motivate motivate her to um, adopt healthy habits because uh, she is already there. Um, whether it's because of her medical exposure or but, but trial and error, kind of like, you know, learn from mistakes, whatever. Um, yeah. Uh, maybe if there's one thing I would try to model is rest. Rest. Yeah. 
uh, but I I usually just tell her rest. Yeah, that that is something that needs to be inserted in, 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 into uh, her vocabulary because uh, she is uh, she's a hard worker. Um, yes. Yeah. Wow, that's beautiful. That's beautiful that she she already has the knowledge, the tools, and she's also implementing them. And I think that's very important because I think it makes a big difference when you see your your loved one doing the things that they know to do. And I think that's motivating. So I know that there are young couples who are listening, who are looking for, you know, encouragement because this experience is completely new to to them. I have personally met, you know, wherever I go, I tell people what I do. I write children's books for sickle cell and people are like sickle cell. And sometimes on my journey, I have met people who are married to other people with sickle cell. And the last time that I interacted with someone who was they were actually a fiance and they said, oh, my my fiance has sickle cell and they were getting married to someone who had sickle cell. So sometimes that experience kind of takes them outside of their comfort zone. Do you have any advice for young couples who are looking to get married, but the experience is new? What would you tell them? Do your homework. Do your homework. You know, um, for for the per, for the partner who doesn't have sickle cell and is interested in a sickle cell patient, a sickle cell warrior, as I've come to learn. I mean that, that term. Um, just do your homework. Know what it is, and. Um, don't don't go into the relationship blindly you know have some knowledge and then learn to commit make a decision you know am i ready for this or not now it's one thing to know it, dealing with the reality is a different ball game I mean, like i like i shared earlier i i i, I knew I, I i knew about sickle cell once I met my wife, but once we got married and we lived together, I was like, oh, you know, this is what it's like, you know, 24-7. So, um, yeah, it's just like, you know, when, when, we get, when, pe- when couples get married, you know, one of the common uh, um, lines is until death do us part. You know, oh, no, no, in, in sickness and in health, you know, in sickness and in health, you know, um, till, till death do us part. Uh, sometimes, oftentimes it's, it's just a line, you know, at the wedding altar, um, but we don't know what that really means, you know, until um, we, we live together. Uh, and we go through it, 
learn to trust. Learn, learn, I mean, learn to trust. Learn to, I mean, of course, love, love uh, drove us uh, uh, to this relationship. Uh, now, learn to trust. And also, learn how to protect. Protect. Um, I emphasize that because there is that adversity. You know, the in-laws. The in-laws who may not understand. Um, and so be, be willing and ready to anybody who's listening and who's considering a relationship, um, be, 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 be willing to stand up for your partner, your husband, your wife, you know, because uh, they will be, uh, they'll have fingers pointed, you know, at them accusing them or blaming them for whatever unhappiness that may come by because of sickle cell. You know, it applies to any chronic illness, really, you know, any chronic illness, but we talk about sickle cell here. So uh, learn to protect, you know, but you can only protect if you trust your partner, if you love your partner. So, but there's, I mean, I'll just leave it there because that is, that's something that can take um, <laughs> another half hour, you know. So. You just touched on the word protect. And I think that is where we're going next, because I'm wondering, you know, sickle cell, mm. if people are in this community, they know what big sort of protection sickle cell patients sometimes can need when going to the ER, when going to hospitals. So have you ever had to step in and speak on your wife's behalf? If so, how did that experience challenge you personally? One word, no. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that to you. Um, but, uh, no, I, I, I have, uh, I have, uh, never stepped in to speak, uh, on my wife's behalf medically. Uh, again, uh, my wife, she's a physician and, uh, she can, she can advocate for herself easily, you know, it, it, Sadly, um, being in the profession is almost like a, a calling card of sort, you know, or or some, you know, um, you know, uh, easy go card. What a, like a VIP, you know, some express, like a, a VIP. VIP. Thank you. Yes, status uh, because, for other doctors. Uh, yeah, so all all they will have to either because of the lingo because she's trained, she's medically trained, you know. And so my wife, you know, in scripture, I mean, not to get you know, super religious here, especially for those who are non-Christians, um, but in scripture, oh, if you recall where. Uh, Peter denied Christ, and and a little girl said, "Your language gives you away." 
you know. Now, the same thing would apply to my wife. She will speak, you know, casually, you know, but she is speaking medical terms, you know. And so the providers, both nurses and doctors, they will hear her and they'll ask her, wait, are you a nurse? Are you a doctor? While she's in bed, you know, as a patient, you know, because her language is giving her away. And so, and she's reluctant, you know, for years she's, she's been reluctant to tell them that she is a doctor because she wants to, you know, see what it's like to be treated, you know, as a non-doctor, you know, uh, as a non-medical student, you know, at the time. Um, so, but once they hear that she's a medical student, even medical student, not just a doctor yet, and even a medical student, you know, things change. You know, the, the way, you know, the way uh, care was um, provided to her. So I, I never had to step in medically. I, I find it very hard to recall a moment. And so really, in the, in the sickle cell arena, I am a novice, you know, a relative novice when it comes to um, advocating. I, I know how to give care, to take care. I'm a caregiver. I know that. I've been doing that for almost 25 years and counting, you know. Uh, but advocating, that is relatively new to me. And so even taking um, the SCMA MAT class recently, um, that was um, enlightening to me. And so, okay, I know what questions to ask. I know, you know, what basic, you know, ba- basic things need to be given to patients. Um, but uh, I haven't done that for my wife because she, uh, she, she does that for herself easily. And, um, and which, which goes to show that this whole SEMA creation uh, was a selfless thing. I mean, she always said it's, it's a calling a calling uh, by God. God told her to do this because she can just do it by herself, go to bed, you know, ho-hum. And and she has her connections. So, anyway, I know that is a whole lot more than a simple no. Thank you for having me. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm, I'm glad I was able to uh, share this uh, uh, with you and the, li- and the listeners. Thank you. I really enjoyed this episode and I hope you did as well. Please subscribe and leave the Vitamin SC3 podcast a review on your favorite podcast platform. Remember to tune in again next week for an all new show.